Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. Today's decision by Russia to suspend its participation in the New START Treaty is deeply unfortunate and irresponsible. Thank you for welcoming back to Poland. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia. Never. President Putin chose this war. President Jimmy Carter enters home hospice care. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is good to be back and uh, lots to talk about. What's interesting is this uh, visit to Ukraine. By the way, did you see when the Air Force One touched down in Poland? They were deplaning, and we're, we're not sure who it is. But uh, remember when Jimmy, uh, when Jimmy, when Joe Biden was falling up the steps, he couldn't get back onto Air Force One. Well, someone was getting off of Air Force One, and uh, they took a quick slide down the steps, yeah, and just tumbled onto the tarmac. Uh, I hope the individuals are right. I couldn't find a news outlet that said who it was. If you're watching online or on Cable Seven, uh, there it is. The guy goes. Uh, Starts to fall, and it looks like he sort of slides down the banister of the uh, steps and just plops onto, I don't know, maybe they serve too much alcohol on Air Force One. Uh, anyway, the, the whole visit to Ukraine is, I mentioned yesterday, it looked like it was very much choreographed. And then I don't know if you noticed last night on the news, a number of outlets talked about this, but the fact that the air raid sirens go off, as Joe and Zelensky are sort of walking across the court there. You know, it sort of reminds you of the stories of Hillary Clinton, you know, landing in the midst of gunfire going off over their heads. I mean, interestingly, even a CNN reporter said, quote, I've been here for the past five days. I've not heard any explosions. I have not heard any air raid sirens until about a half hour ago, right when President Biden is in the center of Kiev. Uh, well, uh, Joe is, again, giving another half billion dollars, $500 million more to, uh, and, and, you know, that sounds like a small amount, doesn't it? I mean, they've given something like $113 billion so far. So what's another, what's another $500 million? What's, what's the big deal? Uh, you know, and I guess it's, um, uh, Joe says, uh, he, he tweeted, uh, concerning Ukraine, they remind us that freedom is priceless and worth fighting for, for as long as it takes. Freedom is priceless. Uh, it's pretty easy to say that when it's not your money, right, Joe? The uh, And again, rather ironic that this is the same country from which uh, Hunter was receiving $80,000 a month. Eh, just coincidental, right? Yeah, I was really surprised last night. I was watching a lot of the commentary shows. I am surprised about how many people that I, I think are genuinely conservative that think this is great. That think, you know, let's just keep giving them money. And I, I keep coming back to the thought that, you know, if we were to be attacked, would we have the funds to defend ourselves? And how much money do we owe to the adversary, Communist China? And we just dig the hole deeper and deeper and deeper. I feel sorry for the people of Ukraine. I do, sincerely. 
But the idea that we're giving them money so they can fund their pensions? I don't think so. By the way, there's a lot of talk out today that uh, Putin announced uh, he's withdrawing from the START Treaty. The uh, START Treaty was signed back in 2010. It's interesting to note, though, he said in his speech, it was sort of his State of the Union speech to his parliament, as if they're genuinely elected and there's no... Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, their, their elections are even worse than ours, if that's possible. Uh, he said, I have to say today that Russia is suspending its participation in START. So they didn't cancel it. They just are suspending it. I repeat, not withdrawing, but uh, merely suspending its participation. The Russian leader reiterated throughout his speech a litany of grievances directed at Ukraine and the West that both he and other officials have cited over the course of the war to justify the invasion. Uh, this out of the Washington Examiner of the Treaty, which was initially signed in 2010, caps the number of warheads that each country can deploy, 1,500, and the deployment of land and submarine-based missiles and bombers to deliver them, 700. Then President Obama and Dmitry Medev uh, signed the treaty in 2010. The two sides agreed to extend it just days before its expansion, I mean ex expiration, rather, in uh, February of 2021 for another five years. Inspections have halted over the course of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, you, you know, I, I, I mean, a lot of people have said, you know, tensions are ratcheted up. I, I'm more concerned, I guess, with uh, the fact that China is now coming into the discussions uh, and are they going to be a participant in what's going on in Ukraine? Now, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them, but the Wall Street Journal is reporting today that Chinese President Xi Jinping is preparing to visit Russian President Vladimir Putin in Moscow in coming months. This, according to the Wall Street Journal, Xi is seeking to push for multilateral peace talks to end the war in Ukraine and stress the importance of not using nuclear weapons during the summit with Putin. Wall Street Journal reported uh, that Chinese communist officials have given indications recently that Beijing would like to play a bigger role in the peacemaking process as Russia moves further into China's sphere of influence. The timing of Xi's visit is not yet finalized, but could be in April or May, according to the Wall Street Journal. People familiar with the matter said that the CCP's top diplomat, Wang Yi, is set to discuss the potential visit when he himself visits Moscow uh, this week. Wang said during the Munich Security Conference that China will unveil a position paper on the Russian invasion of Ukraine in late February. Western powers, including the United States, have warned Beijing against taking a stronger pro-Russia stance in the conflict. Now, it's interesting. Does China want to be viewed by the world particularly by some people in the United States, as the peacemaker hero. Uh, and I think there's something to be said that that, that would um, buy them a, a lot of uh, credit on the world stage, which they probably need some uh, some good headlines. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't think that's beyond the pale. I'm not saying I know that with absolute certainty. I don't. Uh, <laughs> and again, I don't trust them as far as I can throw them. But uh, remember... Um, we import, I think it's something like uh, $500 billion worth of goods from China every year, and they import from us about $200 billion. So uh, we're a trading partner that they don't want to lose with those kind of numbers. 
Uh, Biden said earlier today the United States and its partners were announced a new set of sanctions against Russia for its war against Ukraine, delivering an address in Warsaw, Poland, days out from the one-year anniversary of Russia's full-scale invasion of Ukraine. Biden previewed how the West will add to a long list of penalties already leveled against Russia. Quote, together we have made sure that Russia is paying the price for its abuses, Biden said. We continue to maintain the largest sanction regime ever imposed on any country in history. We're going to announce more sanctions this week together with our partners. Uh, yet he gave no details. And knowing Joe, the White House is probably scrambling. And What sanctions, Joe? <laughs> U.S. to announce more sanctions. This is from Sky News. U.S. to announce more sanctions on Russia this week, Biden says. He says they will hold accountable those responsible for this war. Biden adds he will host NATO at a summit in the U.S. next year. Quote, he went on to say, quote, any attack against one is attack against all. Well, that is true for NATO nations, Joe. Ukraine is not a part of NATO. I mean, I know they like to be, and you would probably like them to be. And listen, this is one of the reasons why this whole conflict got started, is when there was talk about making Ukraine a part of NATO. Uh, now, I don't think it justifies what Russia did, but uh, that sort of ratcheted up the whole deal. During a speech in Warsaw, Biden did not get into specifics about what new sanctions will be, but he did allude to Kamala Harris declaring over the weekend in Germany that the U.S. government determined Russia has committed crimes against humanity in Ukraine. Well, we wouldn't want to argue with the professor uh, Kamala Harris on uh, her knowledge of uh, U.S. or world history, rather. Uh, anyway, that is uh, what's going on over in Ukraine and uh, Poland and, I guess, uh, Joe, if they can get everybody on the plane without falling down, they'll be on their way back uh, here shortly. Um, uh, another, uh, this this really does, I guess this sort of has something to do with Ukraine. Uh, it was interesting, there was a story in the PJ Media. The globalist neoliberal project to undermine national sovereignty and roll nation-states into first regional, then global political blocks, has gotten some pushback. Uh, this is in context of the European Union from Poland and Hungary. They're the two ones that are really pushing back on it. The European Commission referred Poland to the European Court of Justice on Wednesday over two rulings from the country's top constitutional court that held that the European Union law does not take precedent over Polish constitution. Um, three cheers for the Poles. The referral follows a formal notice by the European Commission to launch infringement proceedings against the country served on December 21, 2021. The European Commission complaints uh, relates to two rulings on the Polish Constitutional Tribunal, July 14, 21, and October 7, 21, where it held that where contradictions exist between the European Union treaties and the Polish Constitution, the latter will prevail. A move, the bloc says, is incompatible with the primacy of the European legal principles. Uh, in other words, Poland is saying, we're sovereign. Now, we might be a part of the European Union, which they've been, uh, they're relative, they, they weren't original members. They joined in 2004. But they're saying the fact that we're a, a part of the European Union does not take away our sovereignty as a country. And uh, basically their Supreme Court, the, the Poland Supreme Court, Polish Supreme Court said, 
Uh, no, we uh, do not take second fiddle to the European Union's laws. Our Constitution is first and foremost in, in Poland, and uh, the European Union can stick it in their ear. <laughs> and we're going to take a time out and we get back. Uh, a lot of news stories out of uh, Raleigh today. Uh, we'll get to as many of those as we can. Love to hear from you. 561-8255. Stay with us. More news and views coming right up. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Quick look at your weather forecast. Partly cloudy early, then increasing clouds overnight. Tonight's low about 49. Tomorrow, another pretty nice day in terms of uh, the temperature. I have 81 tomorrow. Lots of clouds in the skies. Tomorrow night, a low 65 with partly cloudy skies. Thursday, it really gets warm, a high of 84 with uh, partly cloudy skies. Generally fair skies. Thursday night, a low of 64. Great time to get out and play some golf. Weather brought to you by the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. As the weather gets warmer and life gets busier, you deserve time to relax and have some fun. Ironwood Golf and Country Club invites you to become a member and make new traditions with your family and friends on the course, in the pool, at the courts, or while enjoying a meal with beautiful views. Ironwood offers a variety of memberships with no initiation fee required. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Become an Ironwood Golf and Country Club member today. Give her a call, 252-752-4653. Remember, too, when you're a part of Ironwood, you're also a part of uh, the Beaufort Club and Beaufort Compass Point Golf Club and Magnolia Greens, located near Wilmington, North Carolina, a part of the Renaissance Golf Group. Um, interesting story out of uh, the Washington Times. You know, we wonder, okay, what benefit is there that uh, we have a majority in the House, but not the Senate, and we don't have the executive uh, branch, we don't have the White House? Well, there are some benefits because the House is in charge of the purse. A State Department-backed group is severing ties with the source-funded Global Disinformation Index, following reports about its efforts to muzzle conservative media outlets by blacklisting them with advertisers. The National Endowment for Democracy, a private foundation created by Congress whose annual funding is part of the State Department budget, said it will no longer provide grants to the index after pushback from the right, including congressional Republicans. Recently, we became aware that one of our grantees, the Global Disinformation Index, or GDI, was engaged in an initiative funded by a different donor that focused on specific U.S. media outlets, the National Endowments for Democracy said on Tuesday in a statement to the Washington Times. We recognize the important work of GDI that they've done with the National Endowment for Democracy and uh, support of other countries to help preserve the integrity of information and space and uh, counter authoritarian and to counter uh, counter authoritarian influence. However, given our commitment to avoid the perception that the National Endowment for Democracy is engaged in any work domestically, directly or indirectly, we will no longer provide financial support to the GI, uh, the GDI. Uh, in other words, the bottom line was this was a George Soros back group. They were putting a lot of pressure on the uh, National Endowment for Democracy, created by Congress, run by the State Department, 
they were putting pressure that they wouldn't uh, that there would be uh, financial penalties for conservative outlets. Um, and again, the National Endowment for Democracy was uh, handing out funds. Um, the, they, they gave, for example, $250,000 in grants to risk rating groups to identify and combat disinformation in China and other authoritarian regimes. Well, now it got into domestic programs. And uh, in other words, it was penalizing conservative groups and uh, rewarding liberal groups. Um, well, now that the Republicans are charged of the House, suddenly, suddenly the State Department says, oh, oh, we've got to clean up our act. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with the fact that the Republicans are now uh, in charge of the purse strings. No. Uh, Carolina Journal is reporting the North Carolina Supreme Court has denied the state Republican Party's request to file a front of the court brief and a rehearing of the case dealing with voter ID. Now, I wouldn't get too upset over this. The court announced its decision without comment yesterday. New Justice Trey Allen signed the court order, Republican, State Republicans had requested a chance to give the high court information about a less publicized piece of a, dis, uh, of a disputed 2018 state voter ID law. In addition to requiring photo identification for in-person voters, the law would have allowed leaders of the state's recognized political parties to appoint additional election observers. The NCGOP has the statutory right to appoint 100 statewide poll observers to serve to further the interest of the North Carolina Republican Party. Uh, this from uh, attorneys Philip Thomas and Kevin Klein in the motion they filed last Friday. If the court's trial decision is not overturned, at least in part, it will significantly undermine the NCGOP's ability to exercise its statutory granted rights and ensure the integrity of elections in North Carolina. The provision about poll observers made up Section 3.3 of Senate Bill 824 the legislation approved in 2018 to require voter ID for North Carolina elections. Should Section 3.3 of this bill continue to be enjoined, uh, it's possible that the whole thing could go down. In other words, what they're saying is, would the Supreme Court please separate these two into two separate bills? So if you don't approve voter ID, we can approve these statewide poll observers, which the plaintiffs, the people that were against the voter ID, had no objection to. The North Carolina Supreme Court has basically said, no, nah, we don't want any information on this. Now, I do not, I do not, uh, this was a friend of the court brief, and the North Carolina Supreme Court said, no, we don't want that. Um, I, I would not be alarmed. Uh, I have no inside information, but what has passed, what has, the, the votes that have gone previously, let me put it that way, by the Republican minority, when they were the minority on the Supreme Court, if those votes indicate how they're going to vote in the future, and as the two new justices that are Republican seem to be pretty conservative on this matter, I think the North Carolina GOP should be able to sleep well at night because I'm pretty confident that the, North, the new North Carolina Supreme Court is going to uphold the entire original Senate Bill 824 that was passed in 2018, and it will be called, become the law of the land. Now, I don't know how quickly they will implement this. You know, once once they say, you know, this is good, it meets all the it meets all the uh, standards that we think are important, and uh, it's it's you know it's going to be law. 
How how soon will they implement it? I would think they could implement it pretty quick. I mean, I think if they make a decision on this in the next 60 days, I would think by the next election, statewide election, I would think it would be uh, a, a part of the process. Not only the poll workers, but the uh, voter photo ID. Carolina Journal is also reporting public school employees who commit sexual offenses against students could face harsher penalties under a bill passed uh, on the 21st by the, uh, which was today, by the North Carolina House uh, Education Committee. It is the K-12 Education Committee. Simply put, this bill is about protecting students in public schools. Superintendent Catherine Truitt told committee members it's about ensuring laws are clear, that they're followed, that the appropriate consequences are outlined and pursued. House Bill 142, Protect Our Students, is meant to target school personnel who engage in sexual intercourse or other sex acts with students. The measure slaps school personnel offenders with Class G felonies. The bill includes teachers with a professional license plus other school employees, including school administrators, student teachers, school safety officers, or coaches. The bill also expands the definition of student to include recent high school graduates up to six months after finishing school. Truett noted that in some instances, inappropriate relationships begin recently after the student graduates. Relationships have been clearly preceded by grooming behavior occurring while the student was in the school and the teacher was an authority figure. Under the bill, school leaders who fail to report misconduct to the North Carolina State Board of Education face a Class 1 felony. The state board is responsible for suspending or revoking professional licenses in these instances. Another provision of the bill requires school districts to show a video to students in grades 6 through 12 containing age-appropriate information on sexual abuse. Now, this is interesting. You think, well, do we really need this? Is this an issue in North Carolina? Truett shared that between January 2016 and October 2022, there were 124 instances of sexual misconduct resulting in license suspensions revocations, or voluntary surrenders related to sexual misconduct amongst teachers. Those figures don't include offenses by non-licensed school personnel. So that was 124 instances where they were caught and they resulted in license suspensions or revocations. How many times did it happen that they weren't caught? And uh, now that there's a little bit uh, more... Gunpowder behind the that's a figure of speech uh, behind the uh, penalties. Uh, will this give people that are thinking about doing something that they shouldn't do? Will this give them pause to think twice? I think it will. I hope it does. Finally, earlier today, the Senate Judiciary Committee quickly approved an amended version of SB3, the Compassionate Care Act. The bill will now go before the Senate Finance Committee, and it's receiving favorable report there, according to Senate Rules Committee. Uh, This is basically a medical marijuana bill. Uh, Before the voice vote, which appeared nearly unanimous by the committee, Chairman of the committee, Buck Newton of Wilson, gave the floor to two bill primary sponsors, uh, Bill Rabone of Brunswick County and Paul Lowe of uh, Forsyth. The two, as well as a third primary sponsor of the bill, offered uh, offered uh, explanations of amendments as a member of the committee. Uh, interestingly, it's, it's, it sounds like this thing is going to go through. Before the vote, there was a time for public comment 
Four men spoke briefly on the bill. Three of them requested that the members vote against allowing medical marijuana. Jer Royal from the North Carolina Family Policy Council said that there was a lot of discussion about how long the drug could help veterans with PTSD, but he said there's no evidence yet to support this claim. He also said that the American Medical Association said marijuana actually was a major risk, not a help to mental health. I mean, it's interesting. One of the common denominators of these uh, mass shooters, often referred to as going postal or these school shooters, one of the common denominators is heavy use of marijuana. Now, I, granted, I recognize that we're talking about medical marijuana here, and there are some pretty hefty uh, penalties if this is abused. For example, if you have a card to buy medical marijuana, um, if, if you were to hand that card to someone who uh, isn't entitled to it or someone had a fraudulent medical marijuana card, there are some pretty hefty penalties. Uh, also penalties for providers, those who would sell medical marijuana if they abuse it. Uh, there's some, some pretty heavy uh, penalties there as well. Um, right now, uh, it looks like, um, again, it, it's not uh, not finalized yet, but uh, it looks like to me it's on the track of, uh, of passing. Hey, we've got to take another time out stay with us. Much more to talk about, including Pothole Pete finally decides to show up in uh, East Palestine, Ohio. We'll talk about that when we get back. News and views. He's kind of a diva. He's absolutely fascinating. Ultimate gentleman spy. Irresistible to women, deadly to his enemies, a legend in his own time. You won't believe what he's going to say next on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Here's Tom Lemprecht. Welcome back in. So, uh, an attempt to uh, seem like they care. Change the narrative here. Pothole Pete says he will now show up this week at the scene of the crime. Since a Norfolk Southern train derailed in East Palestine, Ohio, three weeks ago, uh, Pete Buttigieg has been missing in action. According to a Republican governor, Mike DeWine, a decision was made to burn toxic chemicals in order to avoid a train car explosion. In other words, this was a situation where the disaster was projected. The governor said the decision was made to burn the toxic chemicals to avoid the explosion. In other words, it was timed. They could have gotten Pete there even before the fire erupted. It was set ablaze, but Pete didn't show up. Since then, many residents have reported symptoms of burning eyes, throats, dying animals. They've also been told to drink bottled water until further Testing can be done to confirm tap water and soil are safe. By the way, uh, the governor and I think it was someone in charge of FEMA were up there, and they, uh, the governor and this individual had a glass of tap water. I wouldn't have taken it <laughs> if I was up there. I mean, they're trying to prove, oh, look, it's safe. I would have said, uh, no, no, uh, you test it now, test it in a couple of weeks, test it in a month, and maybe, then maybe I'll try it. Um, during a town hall in East Palestine last week, local residents asked where Buttigieg was and why federal government um, help was largely absent from the scene. 
This morning, during an interview with uh, Stuffy Stephanopoulos uh, on Good Morning America, Buttigieg tried to take, paint a picture that, A, he's a very busy man, although remember, Buttigieg took a maternity leave, I mean, it was several weeks, maternity leave, in the absence of the airline crisis a few months ago, because he and his homosexual husband adopted a child. So he took a maternity leave. So he, he wants to paint that. I'm very busy. I'm very busy. B, he wants to paint the picture that he is eminently experienced in these type of disasters from his days as the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Cut one. The administration has come under some fire for its response. The mayor of East Palestine has said it took nearly two weeks for the White House to contact him. There were shouts of, where's Pete Buttigieg at a town hall meeting last week. Uh, what's your response to that? When are you going to go to East Palestine? Well, I am planning to go, and uh, our folks were on the ground from the first hours. I do want to stress that the NTSB needs to be able to do its work independently. But when I go, the focus is going to be on action. Look, I was mayor of my hometown for eight years. We dealt with a lot of disasters, natural and human. <laughs> you are a disaster. I am planning on going. Listen, I am planning on going. In other words, you don't have a set date yet. But I am planning on going. Buttigieg failed to even fix the potholes in South Bend, Indiana. That was the disasters he's talking about. I've got a lot of experience in disasters in South Bend. We had potholes. I couldn't fix them, but, you know, we addressed the issue. Um, and he said that on Good Morning America this morning without even cracking a smile. I, I mean, the, the guy's good. To be able to say that and not even crack a smile is uh, what a total failure and a joke this guy is. Again, here's another example of intersectionality. You ask yourself, how did Richard Levin, Richard slash Rachel Levin, get the position as the deputy uh, surgeon general? Because he, ch he checked the box. He checked the transgender box. How did Kamala Harris... Get the vice president. She, she checked the black woman box. How did Pete Buttigieg get the secretary of transportation? He checked the gay marriage box. Ohio Senator J.D. Vance has been hammering Buttigieg for being missing in action and focusing on the wrong issues. Quote, I've got to say the secretary of transportation is not talking about this issue. He's talking about how too many white male construction workers... Instead of the fact that our trains are crashing at alarming rates, the guy needs to do his job. Here's what J.D. Vance was referring to. Now, this is the comment that Buttigieg made less than 24 hours after this Norfolk Southern Rail derailment in East Palestine, Ohio. Way too many stories from generations past of infrastructure where you got a, a neighborhood, often a neighborhood of color, that finally sees the project come to them, but everyone in the hard hats on that project looking like, uh, uh, you know, doing, doing the good paying jobs, don't look like they came from anywhere near the neighborhood. In other words, let's push more intersectionality. Uh, and they're saying that construction, you know, construction is racist. Listen, uh, many of these uh, construction jobs that he's referring to here, 
Uh, many of these uh, jobs are awarded based on what kind of hiring practices you have, which I'm not sure that ought to be that way. But what was the last time you passed a construction job where they're doing road work where every person in the crew was all white? Now, I mean, we live in a part of the country where African-American population is higher than the national average. But uh, it's pretty rare that you would see that. But Pete Buttigieg, that's what he was focused on the day of the derailment. The, the, the train derails, he goes on some talking head show, and this is what he wants to refer to. I mean, this is the same guy that said roads are racist. Where we place certain roads are racist. I mean, some of these interstates have been there for decades and decades and decades. Perhaps the neighborhoods change around the roads. But I don't know that the roads necessarily go through neighborhoods that are minority neighborhoods. Maybe if you were more interested in what the American people need, instead of constantly pushing a woke intersectionality agenda, uh, maybe we could avoid current disasters that we have going on, like the airline disaster, like the trucking disaster, the bottleneck that we have, uh, like the trailway, uh, the, the train derailment that took place today. Another one today, late, uh, well, late last night, Gothenburg, Nebraska. Another derailment, uh, this time a dozen cars strewn across railroad tracks. Fortunately, it was uh, they were hauling coal on a Union Pacific Railway. Now, listen, this could be a big deal, the fact that they were hauling coal in uh, the eyes of people like Pete Buttigieg and the Biden administration. That might be considered worse than the chemicals that were spilled up in uh, East Palestine, Ohio. <laughs> California Democrat Representative Barbara Lee on Tuesday announced she will be running for the U.S. Senate. She's joined a small group of Democrats to replace Dianne Feinstein. Of course, Dianne said she was going to resign. Then she said, what are you talking about? Am I? Am I? Oh, I am? Okay. Um, what's interesting is Barbara Lee from California back in 2012 on her website. It's still there, by the way. You can go look it up. Back in 2012, Lee proudly bragged that she was the most liberal individual in the House. Representative Lee, most liberal House member, black Hispanic caucus member, top of the list. Representative Barbara Lee was ranked as the most liberal politician in the U.S. House of Representatives in the 112th Congress, according to a ranking system created by two university political science professors. Um, Anyway, it says who the professors were. She joins uh, Adam Schiff and Katie Porter to run for Diane Feinstein's seat. She said Lee cited reducing poverty and easing economic burdens of the middle class's top priorities. She said this in her uh, launched video of the new campaign for Senate. Quote, we have to take on the climate crisis. Ooh, yeah. And we have to stop these MAGA extremists who think they can control people's bodies and dismantle our democracy. Hmm. Uh, Representative Lee, just a quick reminder, we are a democratic republic. 
not a pure democracy, by the way. And I don't think it's the MAGA Republicans that are attempting to dismantle the Democratic Republic that we're a part, that make up our country. I mean, it's interesting she would say that they're trying to dismantle our democracy. We're not even a democracy. We're a republic. So who's trying to dismantle it? You can't even get the verbiage right. Hey, we've got to take another time out. Stay with us. More coming up, including an interesting story on uh, George Santos, the 34-year-old liar. He did an interview last night uh, with Pierce Morgan and didn't go well. We'll talk about that when we get back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. The Daily Wire is referring to a story that uh, came up last night in an interview between uh, Pierce Morgan and Representative George Santos, the 34-year-old Republican who is can't speak without lying. Um, Pierce Morgan said, I was a Wall Street superstar. I was this. My family was this. I was. It was all untrue, Morgan said to Santos in an interview. I don't categorize those as mistakes. It's got to start from, I've been a terrible liar. So Pierce Morgan said, are you prepared to say this? Santos said, sure. Like I said, uh, so Morgan said, well, go on then. Well, Santos said, I've been a terrible liar on those subjects. What I tried to convey to the American people is that I made mistakes of allowing the pressures of what I thought needed to be done in order to do this, which wasn't about tricking anybody. This wasn't about, uh, Morgan interrupted again. Yes, it was. No, 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 no. Let me finish, Santos says. The whole thing was about tricking people, Morgan said. Let me finish, Santos said. It wasn't about tricking people. This was about getting accepted by the party here locally. Santos, of course, has been caught lying from everything about being Jewish, for some reason leading to uh, the colleges he's attended, w- with volleyball team wins over Harvard and Yale, all made up. <laughs> he said he earned a degree from New York uh, University. Uh, that was not true. He never even attended. He said he attended uh, another college. No, nope, neither one. Uh, he said he worked at Citigroup or Goldman Sachs said he worked for the two banks and through a third company. Then he admitted he didn't even do that, but somehow an investment firm he founded in May of 2021 made millions of dollars. That was untrue. He founded a charity group called Friends of Pets United, which he said saved thousands of dogs and cats. uh, cats, No record, IRS record of this group. Uh, Santos later said, well, I I campaigned for the group, whatever that means. Uh, He said he is Jewish. His grandparents fled the Holocaust. He later later said that he had not lied, and he was, in fact, only referring to himself as, well, I'm sort of Jewish. (laughs) He wasn't saying he was Jewish. He was saying, I sort of act Jewish. Inconceivable. Whatever. That sounds like it's not only a lie, it's a racist statement. Uh, He he said his mother had died in the 9-11 terrorist attacks on the Twin Towers in New York. He later said his mother died on December 23, 2016. Uh, He also said he was involved in the production of the Broadway flop Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. But the show's actual producers told Entertainment Weekly... In a rather humorous statement, of all the tribulations the producers of Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark had to endure, 
We're very pleased and proud and relieved to report that working with George Santos was not one of them. <laughs> Listen, I, uh, it's, it's obvious. I mean, how can you defend a guy like this? He ran as a Republican, fooled a lot of people, and won his election. The guy is a liar. He's a chronic liar. He's, you meet these people in life. They cannot help themselves. And you wonder constantly, are, are you lying to me now? I mean, I'm not talking about people that joke. I'm people that constantly lie. Now, everybody, if you've lived as long as I have, everybody has met at least one that they don't know the truth if it hit them in the face. But here's the problem. And, and I'm, not, I'm not making a, a, a get-out-of-jail-free card for George Santos. He needs to go. And if they don't boot him out, he needs to resign. And if not, the people in the next election need to make sure he's not reelected. But here's the problem. How many other George Santos are there in Washington, D.C.? I think it's fair to say there are more of them up there than you would care to count. By the way, uh, Senator Ted Budd and Tom Tillis, along with a number of people in the House, have uh, passed a resolution, presented a resolution, that uh, can we please go ahead and get the lifestyle statue of Billy Graham uh, placed in the... Uh, halls of congress in the uh, rotunda where uh, the, a number each state has two statues of people that are famous uh, one of ours would be billy graham and uh, this was uh, passed in 2015 by the north carolina general assembly it was sent up to uh, the folks in congress uh, to the joint committee of the library of congress it has been stalled ever since so they passed this resolution saying uh, would you please get a move on uh, we're Proud of Billy Graham. Can we please have his statue approved and installed? Thank you very much. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll do it again tomorrow, 5 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.